welcome to this week's edition of the Extra Innings Podcast here at the Seattle Times. I'm Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish, your weekly host into this little foray that features talk about, well, baseball, the Mariners, um, anything that Larry and I usually can ramble on to, beer, food. You know, there's really no set pattern. We do have an outline each week, and usually we have gone off the rails by, I don't know, the first five minutes in. This week, obviously, we're discussing Shohei Otani. That's all anybody wants to talk about in baseball. Uh, and the Mariners have a reason to talk about him. On Sunday evening, as I was going up to help uh, Bob Condota at the Seahawks game, uh, news broke out of New York that the Yankees had been eliminated from consideration for Otani. Once considered the favorite because they had a lot of money, over $3 million, and the whole Yankees and New York and the the tradition and history, they were eliminated. Soon after that, you found out that the Red Sox, the Pirates, basically every team on the East Coast, along with every team in the in the Central Divisions, were also eliminated from consideration. Then you found out that there were basically seven finalists. The Mariners, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Cubs, the Rangers, and the San Diego Padres. Those seven remain. And then... When we recorded this podcast, the portion with Larry and I talking, it was on Tuesday afternoon at the Times, where you'll hear all about our fiasco with trying to get that to work. Um, At that point, I had heard through a source that the Mariners had interviewed with Otani on Tuesday morning, but I wasn't certain. And so later in the day, after we did the podcast portion of the interview portion with Larry and I, I got confirmation from a couple different sources saying that Otani did indeed interview with the Mariners on Tuesday morning. The Rangers followed, and then the Cubs interviewed in the evening. And then later in the day, Ken Rosenthal, or maybe around, I think it was earlier parts of throughout the day, Ken Rosenthal kind of had it finalized that the the Dodgers, the Giants, interviewed on Monday, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, and then Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register also reported that the Angels interviewed on Monday. So that leaves the Padres to interview on Wednesday, I'm assuming. Um, but basically that's where the Mariners are at. We don't know what Otani is going to do beyond that, whether he's going to eliminate a couple more teams, go visit these places, whether he makes a decision now, how long it's going to take the deadline for him to make a decision is December 22nd. So we still have time. Uh, Maybe it's done by the winter meetings. God, that would be fantastic, but we aren't certain. So we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that, and that's a big portion of our discussion. Also, we got to get to a little bit of news uh, from a staff standpoint. The Mariners hired uh, a bullpen coach. I think it was Tuesday. Man, they all run together. They hired a bullpen coach. Brian DeLunis um, was named the bullpen coach. He replaces Mike Hampton, who was the bullpen coach last year that resigned at midseason abruptly at the All-Star break, and then Nasuso Cabrera, who had been the the batting practice pitcher, served as the interim bullpen coach, and he'll return to batting practice pitcher and kind of a helper on the staff this year. DeLunis's interesting resume, it's not traditional by any means. Um, he was an, he worked the last six months with a talent agency, a baseball talent agency, and then prior to that served as a kind of a private pitching coach. You know, you see these academies and stuff where, you know, pitchers go in and try and, work on their mechanics or build up their arm strength, all these different things. That's kind of what he did. He founded his own company in the St. Louis area that really specialized in all that, that worked with pro players too, not just amateurs. So it was 
kind of a more about, you know, maximizing your talent or building your talent in that situation. And maybe that's what the Mariners are looking for. They didn't, you know, he doesn't have a traditional coaching background per se. You know, he didn't log a bunch of innings in the minor leagues like one of the candidates, Lance Painter. DeLunis comes from a different kind of background. His most traditional coaching aspect had been at the University of Missouri, where he was the pitching coach there. He actually worked with Max Scherzer, uh, former first-round pick Aaron Crow. I think Kyle Gibson was there as well. So, I mean, there, there has been some talent, but this is certainly different. Now, he wasn't, from what I was told by sources, the first choice. Uh, Craig Bjornsson, the bullpen coach for the Astros last season, was actually who the Mariners had initially planned to bring in. They interviewed him, flew him up to Seattle, and had planned to hire him. However, Alex Cora of the Astros, the bench coach for the Astros, was named the Red Sox manager and offered the Red Sox bullpen coach job to Bjornsson, and he followed Cora, his friend, to Boston, which, you know, understandable. So Bjornsson was very similar in the background that he supposedly specialized in all the new age stats, the, the, the sports science aspect of it, all this kind of stuff that they were trying to get into. So this is kind of where DeLunis is. Um, you know, I, I don't know a ton about that kind of stuff in terms of what is valued and what isn't, but I do know that Jerry DePoto believes that that's something that he finds important, that he thinks that you know, understanding this stuff is something that he that a coach needs to know, and that he'll um, that they'll find important down the road. So, Mr. Delunas will join a staff that um, you know has Manny Act as bench coach, Scott Brocious as as a third base coach, and um, and Chris Prieto as first base coach, Mel Stylemeyer's pitching coach. Uh, Jim Brower, I think, is the other assistant. So that's the staff for next year going forward. But that's your kind of non-Otani news. But that's really not what you're here to talk about. So let's let's get to the interview with me and Larry Stone talking about Shohei Otani. week we had some complaints about the echo in the room uh, i may be echoing now i have no idea but we are literally at the seattle times on skype larry is in one room in the times i'm in another um, i went and bought larry some <laughs> apple iphone headphones today to get a mic for him so it plugs directly into his phone I swear to God, this podcast is going to be the end of my life as I know it, just in terms of, I, I didn't know I was like such a bad techno person all of a sudden, but now I can't get any of this stuff to work. I can still play PS4. What the hell's wrong with me? Well, I don't think I have enough time to answer that question, but hopefully people can hear us okay. Uh, we'll back up We're in the same office. Uh, in different corners doing a podcast <laughs> locked into various offices so uh, hopefully hopefully it, it turns out uh, just fine this just can't be that difficult but we found a way to make it difficult <laughs> exactly all right um okay 
We're just going to get to it. I don't know how long this is going to be. Larry's got to write a column. We have trivia tonight. It's got some pressing details. But we got to talk about Shohei Otani because that's the news of the day, as always. Um, the latest thing being that Otani has whittled his list down to the finalists. Um, the Mariners are one of seven teams, I believe. Is that what, Larry, seven? Yeah, yeah, seven that we know of. I mean, this whole thing is shrouded in mystery, but uh, it sure seems like it's seven. And, you know, that's <laughs> that's great news. I mean, that's the first hurdle. The Yankees, uh, I was driving home one day listening to MLB uh, radio, and Jim Bowden was flat out saying it's a done deal. He was going to the Yankees, and the Yankees are out. The Red Sox are out. I mean, some big-time teams who really wanted him are out, and the Mariners made the cut. And if you look at the the teams that made it, they all have some things in common. They all train in Arizona. They're they're not all West Coast teams, but five of the seven are West Coast teams, plus the Rangers and the Cubs. Uh, and they're mostly smaller market teams, except for the the Dodgers and the Cubs. So um, you know, nobody. <laughs> we've talked about this. Nobody has a clue. Anyone who tells you they know what Otani is looking for or thinking is is nuts and is lying because nobody knows. But uh, you know, I th- I think it's safe to say the Mariners have as good a shot as any right now. And any means seven. It doesn't mean thirty anymore. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Larry and I had talked about this. I've talked with some people around baseball, even people kind of close to Otani's agency. Nobody truly knows what this guy wants. I mean, anybody that you see on Twitter, whether and, – and these guys are great reporters, John Heyman, Ken Rosenthal, Buster Olney. It's all speculation because all the information is coming from basically, I, I'm guessing, spurn GMs. Uh, you know, you saw Brian Cashman talk on the record, but, you know, the people that are still in it are being very quiet. I know the Mariners, after Jerry DePoto gushed and gushed and gushed some more about Otani, he's not talking as much about him right now. Yeah, and, and, and that's smart. I mean, these are delicate points in the negotiation, and why say anything that might mess it up? Uh, and they're probably spending all their time um, working on their presentation and, and plotting a strategy rather than, uh, you know, talking to, talking to the media. What Cashman did say, though, he had a, you know, one quote that got a lot of mileage. I retweeted it where he said, if I were the fans of a West Coast small market team, I'd be very uh, happy right now or something to that effect. And when you think about it, it's really, you know, that, that, that really describes just two teams that are in the finalists. It's the, you know, the Mariners and the Padres. The Padres are kind of a, a intriguing dark horse in, in this. Uh, you know, they have a lot of ties, kind of under the radar ties to Otani. Um, you know, people in the organization, Nomo, Hideo Nomo works for them. Their scouting director uh, tried to sign Otani uh, when he was a high schooler, there were a couple of teams that wanted to, to sign him right away, including that was Logan White, who's then with the Dodgers, now with the Padres, and there's there's some other things. But they're a National League team. Uh, you know, if, to realize his dream of going both ways, hitting and pitching, it would seem logically that that would benefit an, an American League team. But I read an article saying that maybe not. Maybe it benefits a National League team because uh, – you know, if there's ways in the National League, you can you can get him at bats as well. And if he ends up abandoning the uh, having to abandon the hitting, then at least when he 
get to hit. But you know, I think that's a negative. That, that I don't think that's going to be a, a good sell for him. That well, if you're if you uh, if you're a failure as a hitter, then at least you can hit. You know, I don't think that's going to appeal to his you know his his belief that he could do that he could go both ways. So. You know, but the thing is, you're right. You can you can analyze this to death. This is a 23-year-old kid. Who the heck knows what he's looking for and what would what will resonate with him? Um, it could be something that no one's even thinking of that makes the difference. Um, you know, the, the the Mariners have the the history of having many Japanese players there succeeding, but that that could turn out to be a negative because. There was a report out of Japan last week that he wants to go to a place uh, where there's no Japanese players and where he can kind of be a pioneer and make his own mark. So maybe you know maybe Ichiro and company maybe that hurts the Mariners or or maybe uh, maybe it ends up being something that really helps him because he he, he could he could talk to those guys and find out that Seattle is a good place for somebody coming over for Japan. So nobody really knows, but we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, we're recording this right now. It is um, Tuesday afternoon, 3 p.m. Um, I'm trying to get it confirmed with the Mariners, but a pretty solid source I have has, has told me that the Mariners met with Otani this morning. The Rangers are actually meeting with him Tuesday afternoon, but I was told that the Mariners met with him preliminarily to today. I don't know who is all with them. My, my guess is that obviously Jerry DePoto, um, Anthony Suzuki, who is each or is uh, has been at Ichiro and Iwakuma's translator, and J- Kenji Jojima's translator, and has a job within the organization now and some scouting as well back in the Far East um, would be there. Uh, Tim Kistner, their their director, I'm sure will be there. They have uh, several scouts in Japan who watched him play with Jerry. I mean, if if that's, I'm sure that's where they're going. I know Robinson Cano is not there because he's riding a camel in Israel right now. If you haven't seen his Instagram, <laughs> so no Robbie Cano. Some reports about the Mariners bringing in a lot of players and stuff has kind of been downplayed a little bit by people within the Mariners. So I, I don't know. I, I, my guess is that the, that Otani is going to meet with these teams at least once, maybe narrow the field again, and then go to. Maybe see these cities. I, I I don't know. the The deadline is December twenty second, but I, I I just it's is there's nothing like this, is there, Stony? I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, I mean, there's been obviously high priced, uh, coveted free agents who have commanded a lot of the uh, attention of the off season. Um, you know, very going back to ninety three when I was. Involved with uh, Barry Bonds, you know, coming off an NBC season, where was he going to end up? Um, and a number of them over the years, but there's never been. First of all, no one knows really how good this guy is for sure. All all they know are statistics for the most part, and uh, the in the allure of having a guy who who's going to try and do it both ways. But you know, everyone's assuming this guy is a transformational player, but. Yeah, when you're coming over from another league, you just you just never know. I mean, and there's just so many elements that make it uh, unique. The fact that he's 23, and uh, and money is not going to be the factor. It's usually it's who will throw the most money at a guy. But uh, everybody is capped at their international signing limit, which is only a couple of million. Uh, he's going to make the minimum salary. 
and you owe twenty million dollars to the to Nippon Ham, and that's it. So uh, that's why everyone in the world is uh, salivating over this from the management standpoint. You have a chance to get a superstar, two hundred fifty million on the open market player, and pay him five hundred fifty thousand dollars next year. So that opens up so many avenues for you to improve your team just by basically dropping in a, a f- in baseball's economics almost a free uh, player. So no, there hasn't ever been anything like this. And uh, you know, just imagine where, where, wherever he ends up, just imagine what's going to happen next spring when he shows up to spring training. It's going to be a feed frenzy of media. So um, you know, it could be. You, both the Mariners and the Padres train in Peoria, so we may be getting that one way or the other. Uh, although I have no inside knowledge or even a hypothetical guess about where he's going to end up. I, you know, you can make strong cases for every one of the seven finalists. You really can. They all have the pluses uh, in their favor that you could, that if you if you want to make a case for them being the one, you can do it. Do we count the Angels as a? large market team just because they're in a large market i mean there's they're obviously secondary to the dodgers do we count them as a large market team uh that's an interesting question i mean i would i would think so i mean they they're the southern california market whether they play in anaheim or not they i mean they changed their name to add los angeles because they wanted to capitalize on the entire marketplace uh so i i think so but um you know maybe they Maybe maybe Cashman was hinting at that. He's you know I've watched interviews or read interviews with Otani where he talks very uh, admiringly about Mike Trout. Um, so maybe there's an appeal of playing with Trout. Maybe he wants to challenge Trout. Who knows? But yeah, they're an interesting team. The Giants, uh, you know, the Giants. San Francisco is a is a very cosmopolitan city. Texas has had success with Darvish, who's his uh, his hero. You know, uh, the guy he wears his number four. If he if if Otani gets advice from Darvish, maybe you know Darvish might tell him what a good uh, place uh, the the Dallas area was for him. Um, San Diego, I, I just talked about. The Dodgers have next to the Mariners have the best history of Japanese players, including Nomo, who was the pioneer of of the whole thing. So. Uh, and then the Cubs, you know, Joe Madden, uh, very. The, the Cubs are a, are a team that everyone in in uh, they're a brand. Everyone in Japan is, knows about the Cubs and their World Series run. And Madden's very charismatic and very innovative, and will, will probably have a great plan for integrating him into onto their team. So that's what I think I mentioned them all. They all they, you can make a case for all of them. Yeah, I've read that the Cubs are going to have a very unique presentation. I'm sure similar to the Mariners that, you know, they're going to pull out all the stops. Um, I think the smartest thing Otani did was pick all Cactus League teams because the Cactus League spring training is infinitely better than the Florida spring training than the Grapefruit League. I know you liked going to Florida, but there's hmm. the ease of the Cactus League is, is not to be not to be overlooked. And then, yeah. Well, you, you know, the uh, just as in, sorry to interject, but... Uh, his team, Nippon Ham, uh, trained 
had a working agreement with the Padres. So he's been to Peoria, to the Mariners complex on the other side for the last couple of years. So, you know, he has experience with the Cactus League. They come over before their season starts for a couple of weeks and train. I wonder if he's been to our favorite spot, Leo's Hawaiian Barbecue. <laughs> or I wonder if he's had the roles to Texas Roadhouse. You know, that would be a deal maker for me. I would, you know, I I would go, I'd spurn a lot of money just to have a ready supply of uh, Texas Roadhouse rolls. I was texting with a buddy earlier and I just said, look, if if uh, A.J. Preller brings up some tacos from the Tin Fish, it's over. He'll go there <laughs> or take him to Mission Beach. Look, San Diego is a fantastic city. Now, it's not a great baseball organization, but a you know, 23-year-old guy about to make some money. I, I'd be going to San Diego. I'm sorry. I, I'd rule out everything else. I'd just go to San Diego. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, the Mariners are at a little bit of a disadvantage if he does tours because – San Diego in December is a lot more appealing than Seattle in December. It's, it's not the best presentation of our city right now. If he, you know, if you come in on a sparkling June day, it's you know there's no place better in the whole country. Uh, but you come on a gray, dreary December day where it's sling and cold. Uh, they have to somehow convince him that that's not what it's going to be like when the baseball season rolls around. <laughs> they better they better build some heaters on the field or something for him because it's not real warm down. I was just down there. I mean, it's not real warm. Where do you take him to the Met? I mean, if he if he comes into Seattle, do you have to do you take him to the Met for the one of your meals to watch <laughs> wine him and dine him? Isn't that where everybody takes him? I, I suppose I I would think you'd want to go to your the, the best Japanese restaurant in town so that. He, he could see that he could uh, find Japanese cuisine uh, readily available in Seattle. Um, you know, Ichiro lives in uh, on the plateau, I believe. Uh, maybe uh, have Ichiro host him. You know, I was looking at uh, the story that you wrote off of Jerry Depoto's podcast earlier today, and it was interesting. He talked about how one of the selling points the Mariners have is all the Japanese players who have succeeded here. And he said, they've all expressed a willingness to, to uh, talk to Otani about how good it is for Japanese players here. And I mean, he said all, so I wonder if Ichiro is, even though he's a free agent uh, would be somebody that they would, (laughs) he talked about, you know, going to the big guns and pulling out all the stops. I wonder if he would use Ichiro who does have uh, off-season home here as part of that recruiting? Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know he still lived up here on the plateau. Sometimes I, I there if you're looking at Japanese food, I know there's some really great ones in Seattle. There's a hidden spot in South Center called Miyabi that you, that Darvish likes to go to. I've seen him in there before. It's a it's a good place. So maybe I don't know. We off the we gotta get off the food. Okay. Now we'll get the we'll go through this relatively quickly, like I said, because Larry has priorities about trivia. Trivia, yes. <laughs> um, so what we have from MLB Network, they posted the questionnaire topics of the Otani questionnaire that all these teams had to answer before the meeting. Uh, we'll go through them. I was going to try and write them out, uh, and I may still do that. But so question one: Evaluate Otani's talent as a pitcher and as a hitter. Well. Larry, we've heard Jerry Depoto gush. I guess we use that, but I mean, Jerry's very verbose, and there was no shortage of words used to describe Otani in that little podcast, was there? No, he, he described him as a Roy Hobbs. Yeah. <laughs> like he said, you know, it's, I think the quote that's getting a lot of mileage is, "I've seen." 
prospects who could throw 100 miles an hour, and I've seen prospects who can hit 500-foot home runs. I've never seen the same prospect who can do both. So, yeah, I mean, they will uh, they will gush considerably over him. And yet, uh, I don't know if that's a separator because all seven teams are going to do that. And they are all going to, no doubt, be willing to do what he wants in playing him both ways. Uh, anyway, I think that might be part of a later question. But uh, I, th- I think there's probably ways to separate yourself by showing some creativity there as far as uh, making him a hitter and a pitcher and how you're going to do that. Yeah, I, I think one thing that Jerry will do because they've really made a push is they'll have biomechan- biometric and biomechanical and all that kind of sports science measurements of his efficiency and stuff as well to let them know, like in comparison to how good he could be towards uh, another major league pitcher, like your efficiency with your windup is this or your swing speed is this and this is what so-and-so. And I think that they'll go into it as well because – Jerry really likes to geek out about that stuff, and he's got all the people. Okay. So plus, uh, plus, plus, uh, they'll also probably talk about uh, how they are equipped to train, you know, to 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 body, you know, properly in this pursuit, which is not going to be easy physically. That's the people who don't think somebody can do this just think the body can't stand up to pitching a hundred pitches one day and then maybe playing in the outfield two days later uh or the like yeah, and yeah. so you know with a lorena martin the new uh, uh performance enhancement expert she could uh, maybe have some input on that yeah you jumped ahead to question three there which was medical training and player performance philosophies oh. they'll probably just hand them your well-written column larry on dr lorena <laughs> martin well she has you know this whole thing is, is you, people scoffed at it you know uh, some people I read some of the comments, but it's an intriguing avenue that is innovative in baseball. It's not, it's done in sports, uh, other sports, especially soccer, but not so much in baseball. The Blue Jays were kind of the pioneers of it. Uh, but, you know, that might, uh, that might, who knows, that might be a, a strong selling point, particularly with the, uh, the rigors of what he wants to do. Look, I know you got to go cover that other sport here. Do not invoke that word on this podcast, the <laughs> S word. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Go ahead. Question two. Question two. Explain their player development. And as I was writing this, I was like, um, well, hmm. Okay. <laughs> Can we pass? That's what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll try to put a good spin on, uh, all their winning they've done in the minor leagues or whatever, but uh, that's going to be a hard sell, and he's going to really have to be creative on that one. Look, the, the, he, look I, I don't think Otani is going back to the minor leagues, so he has to explain the player development in terms of what the the people coming up that can help Otani. Probably doesn't want to mention the past. Probably doesn't want to mention the fact that they've drafted and developed only one position player that was an all-star since Alex Rodriguez, which was Kyle Seeger. Probably don't want to mention all that. I, I think may, maybe not have let him see Andy McKay's Twitter feed of all those weird inspirational quotes all the time either. So I, I'm <laughs> sure there's a way they can explain it, that they're getting better. But, I mean, if you took a cursory look at their, their player development right now, I know Jerry's trying to change it in terms of, you know, scouting and acquisition of talent and then how they develop him. But, you know, their top prospect in the organization, and they only have one that's in the top 
300 or top 150 has barely played because of knee issues and their best overall and we've talked about this before but their best overall pitching prospect from starting pitching and arm strength and all that stuff is is 19 years old and was drafted last year um so you know they don't have maybe the best farm system and i guess maybe that's what you equate it with is farm system and prospects is not always the same as player development that they're trying new and different things in the player development side to get players better and perform better but that that wouldn't be a little tricky question. I'm sure, look, Jerry Jerry could probably sell, you know, snow to the Eskimos, but that would be one that might be a little tricky to talk around. Yeah, I think what he's going to have to do there is convince Otani that they have a plan for being a contender and getting him to the postseason. You know, uh, it's going to be hard to to use the minor league production the last few years, but you know, he could make a case that that it's improving. He's only been there years there's some uh they've uh made the trades and and made the, the the team better that's you know that's what they'll that's what they'll try and convince him whether it's true or not we could have that's a whole nother debate but um you know i don't think he probably cares that much about the uh, machinations of what's going on in a single a or double a with the team because uh, he's not going to be down there like you said if he can just convince them that this is an organization on the way up that's going to be a contender. You know, I think you could slide by on that question. You mean he's not going to, Otani's not going to ask why he traded JP Sears away this year for, or Tiago Vieira? <laughs> what were you thinking with Chris Taylor? <laughs> Jerry, that's be his first question. Why? <laughs> okay, question four Description of minor league and spring training facilities. Well, I mean, he knows those facilities well because he was there. I think that's got to be a plus uh, as far as spring training. Um, you know, as far as minor league, I don't know if he means the, the ballparks or does he mean the minor league complex at, at Peoria or, or what. But I don't think there's much uh, that separates any team. All the complexes in Arizona are pretty similar and everybody's minor league facilities are pretty similar so I'm not sure what the, what you do there that uh, that separates you but I think the fact that Peoria is is uh, very familiar to him gives them a little bit of an edge there yeah I mean the, the Mariners redid their their facilities down there quite a bit and they have some really cool stuff in there you know they redid the weight room and it's really top of the line and they're all their training facilities redid the locker room now the Padres, I've been in the Padres side, they have a really huge locker room for the Major League side, and they have a glass basketball hoop with a full half court over there to shoot three-pointers because hmm. A.J. Preller is a, is a basketball geek. So maybe that's where their edge is, is in hoops. Yeah. You played it. Didn't you play hoops last spring with A.J.? Yeah, or, a few uh... times. Yeah, a few times. Shut yeah. him down. <laughs> Shut him down. But the Mariners have the ping pong table and the oh, and the pool, pool table, table right? yeah, yeah. You never know what else they they may bring in like foosball. Oh, they have a foosball table too. They rather one of those. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, number five resources for Otani's cultural assimilation into the city, into their city. Well, we mentioned Anthony Suzuki, who is look. If if you're gonna have a Japanese player, this kid is you know been around a long time, and he has. He understands the culture, you know, he understands everything about it. 
Uh, he's been around for multiple different levels of players and kinds of players. So I think he's a huge resource uh, in terms of assimilation into the city. Yeah, and he's still he's fairly young. You know, we were, we both guessed mid thirties, but he's more youthful looking than that. That's, he's one what, of those that's guys what happens that, when you have Japanese blood like me, Larry. <laughs> <even age. laughs> and then there's there's me who looks like uh, an old man far beyond my years. But um, anyway, uh, you know, he uh, it's going to be sort of a lonely existence possibly for him. You know. Uh, if he's the only Japanese player on the team and he can't really communicate with anybody. So to have a guy, a guy, younger guy like Anthony, uh, could be, could be real important if he bonds, you know, really clicks with the guy. But, you know, as far as, uh, assimilation and, and all that, I, I think the Mariners, that's probably their number one strength over the other teams is, uh, well, well, many of the other teams, could probably make similar cases, but the Mariners have done it over and over again. Brought guys in, um, you know, most of them really liked it here. Iwakuma loves it here. Ichiro was happy. Sasaki, you know, the one exception maybe Kenji Jojima. I don't think he had a great experience with the Mariners. Well, that's because he hated uh, Eric Bedard, but <laughs> which that was a large club, I think, yeah. though. That, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I think this is a very conducive place for uh, for a for somebody coming over from Japan, but you could say the same thing about LA and you could say the same thing about the Bay area for sure. Yeah. I mean, all three places have large Japanese populations. Um, I mean, it, it, they're, you know, whether, and I don't spend a lot of time in that area, but I mean, that could, that could help, you know, I, I'm sure the Mariners, if he wants to bring in over a, an interpreter or a trainer or whatever he wants, they'll give him everything he wants. I mean, they already let Iwakuma have his own specific trainer here and, you know, and Anthony and all that stuff. So my guess is, is that they will do everything possible to make assimilation into the city simple, you know, for yeah. this guy. Well, uh, you know, there was a story out of Japan last week that he wants to go to a place where there, is, there are no other Japanese stars. He doesn't want to, you know, I don't know if that means share the spotlight or what. But um, so, you know, everyone has thought, including myself, that being Darvish would be a good thing to lure him. Maybe maybe that's not the case. Um, so, I mean, it seems like he wants to he wants to be the guy. So. Uh, you know that that makes it even more incumbent to have maybe surround him with people that he's comfortable with or knows like a you know an entourage of sorts that uh that that could possibly you know ease the transition oh if he comes here, wherever he goes he's going to have an entourage of reporters following him so it, he won't be alone in any respect no that's true it's it's I, I, that that aspect kind of intrigues me because when Ichiro came in 2001 uh, the media, the, the the newspaper and media business was different. It was peaking at that point. Sort of, mine hadn't started. Uh, I every Japanese outlet had had two or three people here. I think you know they've hit a slump just like we have over here. So I'm just curious if there's there may not be the the crush that we think there's going to be. There will be initially, but throughout the course of the season, I don't know if. Uh, if it'll be like it was in 01 when Ichiro, when there was, uh, you know, dozens of Japanese reporters throughout the whole year. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm sure there'll just be a national presence too. It's a curiosity, you know, especially yeah. on the road, wherever, if, wherever the, 
wherever his team goes, you're going to have those opposing writers and those opposing media always there as well. It'll be interesting how they handle that. All right. Um, what, do you, what do you got? You got uh, what do I? Oh, you no, got something I don't else? have anything. Okay. Oh, no. Wasn't there one more question? No, there's two more. Okay. okay. Uh, vision for how Otani could integrate into the organization. My vision of that is Jerry handing him the keys to Safeco Field saying, do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that that pretty much covers what we talked about earlier is how you're going to uh, play the guy. Uh, how are you going to how are you going to have him in your rotation and get him his at bats? And uh, I think that's what that means. And so uh, Jerry will have a detailed plan for that. And uh, you're right. I mean, the Mariners will pretty much convey that whatever he wants <laughs> they're willing to do within reason i think but again i think you know i don't know if this is a case where teams will tell him what he wants to hear and then once they have him in the fold will uh say not so fast i mean the, the, down the road it could be some really interesting situations if he's hitting you know let's say he's really succeeding as pitcher he's six and one with era under two but he's hitting 180 come come uh, late may what do you what do you do do you say okay we tried uh would he be willing to listen to that you know if it, it may not go smoothly a lot of people think that this can't be done so you know there could be awkward times down the road and what 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 they what teams tell him in December? Uh, I just wonder if they're going to be able to carry it out come June or July. And uh, you know, I think it's probably better to be transparent with the guy so you don't lead him down a road that you know, where he feels betrayed later on. And I don't think the Mariners would would do that. But you're also going to put your, you know, you're going to give a best case scenario as well. I mean, this is an organization that played Sean Figgins when he was hitting 180. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> and Sean Figgins wasn't even giving him uh, good innings out of the uh, in the rotation either. He, he wasn't giving them much good of anything from that <laughs> Um I do think part of the vision for integration into the organization or how they're going to use him. I mean, we saw it. Uh, I know. I think Evan Grant wrote it for the uh, the Dallas Morning News about the Rangers going to a six man rotation. I. The more I think about it, that the Mariners will find a way to go to a five and a half or six man rotation, meaning that, you know, they will get this kid extra rest because of the physical rigors of playing, you know, two two ways. And because that's what he's always done is pitched every sixth day. I think that it makes perfect sense for them to try and manipulate the rotation as much as possible to not only get him rest, but to get Paxton the extra day and Felix the extra day as well. Yeah, no, I like that idea a lot, and it also gives you one more day to get him in the lineup, maybe as a DH or you know even as a right fielder. Uh, um, Depoto has gone on the record in that podcast as saying that they w- would go so far as to put uh, Nelson Cruz in the outfield to give him some D to give Otani some DH days, and that goes against their desire to have a more athletic, uh, you know, to predicate their outfield on athleticism, which they've tried to do since they came here, you know, putting 37-year-old Nelson Cruz, who hasn't played in the field much in the last two years, is going against that. But if it, if it, you know, if, if it's a way to get him uh, Otani at bats, I think it, I, I think it's important to get Otani at bats 
but I don't know if playing him in the outfield is the way to do that, even though he's very athletic and has really good speed. that The wear and tear might be too much for playing, uh, you know, three days a week in the outfield and pitching and regularly in the rotation. But if you, you limited him to just batting, I think you can, I, I do think you could pull this off. I, uh, I think baseball is too, uh, conservative on this. You know, the old school people just, just won't say, uh, just out of habit, you know, it can't be done. It can't be done, but I think it can be done. I really do. Okay. The last one, tell Otani why their team is a desirable place to play. Hmm. I'm going to go with hydro races. <laughs> yeah. And the moose. Don't forget yeah, the, the moose. moose. Yeah, the moose. Yeah, because that, that guy's yeah. not creepy at all. <laughs> Just as long as he's not driving the, uh, the uh, three-wheeler or whatever. He almost ran over uh, Coco Crisp with. Um, uh Let's see. I mean, that's sort of a summation of all the things that we've been talking about, I think. Uh, you know, it, the combination of a team that's willing to, to, to let him fulfill his uh, his dreams of being a two-way player and a city that's going to be great for him to, to assimilate and uh, a team that they'll try to portray as on the rise. And, uh, uh, you know, I think you could uh, – I think you, you could – put a pretty good answer to the question there and, and be pretty convincing. But, but again, other teams can do that as well. So who knows what it is that's going to be the thing that makes him say, yeah, that's the place I want to go. You know, I bet when we have the, uh, the interview with him, wherever he ends up, it'll be surprising to learn what swayed his decision. Yeah. I think from a, a teammate standpoint, the Mariners, and we've talked about this before, they're all pretty good dudes. They're, they don't have a Bedard type of guy that's divisive within the clubhouse. You know, they Nelson Cruz and Kyle Seeger and Cano and Felix, you know, they they kind of handle their business in professional ways. Nelson really is kind of the, um, you know, he's the enforcer in the sense that when he does say something, you all better listen to him because he doesn't say stuff very often. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, people can get mad about some of the stuff service has done and this and that, but he does give these guys freedom to be themselves, that he doesn't force um, themselves to be a certain way in terms of uh, appearance or, you know, how they play or anything like that. He allows some freedom, which I think is something that, you know, younger players want as well. They don't want to be told exactly how they have to do everything. They want to have that freedom. I think that's important as well. Yeah, yeah oh, definitely. But, um you know, that's going to be hard, I think, to for to, to really sort of resonate with him, like the good guys in the, in the locker room. You know, he's going to have to make his decision without knowing <laughs> how the personality of the, of the teammates. Um, you know, he'll find that out later and you could tell him there's a bunch of good guys. But uh, who's going to tell him that you know, we've got a bunch of jerks on our team? You know, nobody. Um, you know, I assume that service is going to be there in the meeting. So, you know, if he can sort of just give off a vibe that 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 is appealing to Otani, that will be important. Maybe Otani's, you know, uh, asking around. I, you know, I listened to Jeff Passan on the radio today, and he said that from the people he's talked to, 
uh, Otani is not very has not expressed much curiosity in uh, in these interviews or in this process. So that that was I thought that was an interesting comment. You know, he just wants a place to play baseball, not necessarily uh, you know quizzing everybody on the intricacies of their uh, 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 of their plan and all that. So um, you know, I don't know what uh, how they're how deep he's going to go into stuff like that. So. All right, I think we can wrap it up. We've done enough Otani. Uh, people will be happy. Can we, we can't do enough stuff on Otani. Um, when we next do this podcast, it will probably be in preparation for the winter meetings, which are next start next Monday. I fly out Saturday. Larry's going to some other sporting event uh, on Saturday. Soccer, soccer, yeah. soccer. Just, just so wrong. And. Uh, and then, yeah, so we'll probably do something in preparation for that, uh, maybe go over some of the free agent pitchers and outfielders. It is an issue, though. I, I think, you know, Otani, and I don't want to say holding everybody hostage, but, you know, seven teams, and, and the Giants need outfield help, and they need pitching help, and, and all these other teams, they're kind of waiting to see with Otani first before they go in and, and probably decide what else they want to do. Now, it doesn't affect their their budget or whatever but i just think it's kind of like okay we got to get this figured out first before you you move on to anything else yeah you know uh buster only had a tweet the other day that it's lining up for like the perfect storm for a really active winter meetings you could have the uh, giancarlo stanton uh, trade announced in orlando uh you know Otani could conceivably be announced in Orlando. That's next week. You know, I think what's the deadline? The twenty first or something? Twenty second. Twenty second. But I think you know, I think this is going to move faster. Everyone's going to make their presentations depending on whether he wants to visit the city. You know, he could make his decision by the end of the, by the end of next week. Um, and then once you free those things up, there could be this barrage of, of signings and trades once the Stanton and Otani things are resolved, which has kind of been kind of holding everything up. So, you know, I'm, this is, uh, I'm going, this is the first time I've been to the winter meetings in five or six years after going to about 15 of them. So, uh, sometimes they're just deadly boring. Sometimes they, there's action so fast you can't even fast and furious you can't even keep up with it it's just it sort of depends on baseball's timetable which which sort of is different every year because of the various free agents and how and the agents and stuff like that so i'm hoping that this is one of those years where it's a you know a bam 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 trade sign trade one after another every day that would be that would be fun hi right, man okay thank you can we We'll leave our offices now and meet in the middle here in the uh, in the Seattle Times. And yeah, exactly. Shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. So that concludes this week's episode of the Extra Innings Podcast. Uh, big thanks to Larry Stone for coming on and talking with me, as usual. Uh, hopefully the, the audio sounded better to you guys. It's a work in progress. Big thanks to Midnight Salvage Company, the official house band of the Extra Innings Podcast, for the bumper music coming in and out of, the, of our segments. 
Really appreciate those guys giving me those MP3s. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, I feel like this is getting a little bit easier each week. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse, but it it is starting to get a little bit more coherent, which is a plus, I would imagine. Um, like I said earlier with Larry, next week we'll try and do a preview of the winter meetings. We will do some podcasts from the winter meetings if possible. Um, I fly there. I fly to Orlando on Saturday. Perhaps this Otani thing will be done by then. Um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, input, anything you think we should talk about, and I've gotten some good emails about this stuff, my email address is rdivish at seattletimes.com. My Twitter handle is at Ryan Divish, and I also have a professional Facebook page which has a unusually large picture of my head smiling. So, anyways, if you need to get a hold of me, try any of those aspects. Anyways, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.